Welcome to the Green Valley Church Podcast, based in San Diego, where we are focused by scripture, unheard in relationships, we serve through strengths, and enthusiastically invite. We're so excited you found us. If you want to learn more about us, go to greenvalleychurch.com. Now let's get into today's message. All right. Good morning. Good to see you here this morning uh, on this wintry day here in San Diego. I know we have people that are follow along throughout the country too. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we don't have so bad compared to the rest of the country. So we realize that, but uh, this is, this is it for us. This is about as cold as it gets. So this is winter and we're glad you made it. I, as Wes said earlier, I love it when we can come together in this place on a rainy day. It just feels intimate and cozy to be together and to uh, get into God's Word, uh, you and I, as we look at it. Way back in my teenage years, when I first became a Christian, when I was a brand new believer, it was this radical, life-changing experience for me. I, I loved it immediately. I loved my new circle of friends, the community that I had. I loved learning about the Bible and diving in, this book that I knew nothing about. And, and I was absolutely floored by the idea that I could actually talk to God. I mean, I had this new personal relationship with God, which meant I could talk to him about anything I wanted. I mean, even now, as I think about that, even now, as I say those words, it is riveting. The God who created the entire world and keeps it running, the God who parted the Red Sea, healed the blind, raised the dead, the God who gave us the Bible, that God is available for me and for you to have a conversation with 24-7, round the clock. As a new believer, I was absolutely floored by that concept that I could actually talk to God. My, my first impression then of prayer was that it was this wonderful privilege. But it wasn't long until I got a different take on prayer. I heard speakers say, well, if I was really serious about God, I, I needed to labor in prayer. I needed to wrestle in prayer. I needed to toil in prayer. In a phrase, if I was going to truly be a disciple of Jesus, I needed to pray harder. I remember hearing about this guy who, who got up every morning at 4 a.m. in the morning, two hours before work in order to pray. And at the time, I, I don't think I'd ever been up at 4 a.m. in my life. Uh, so I was kind of inspired, but I was also, mostly I was kind of demoralized. How could I ever match that? That seemed overwhelming. And somewhere along the way, prayer was evolving in my mind from a privilege to a duty. And it wasn't just when I was a young believer. I feel this pressure every time I, I, I face a struggle, especially when what I'm worried about, what I'm concerned about, what I'm praying about isn't going the way I want to. I feel this sort of voice inside, this pressure. Maybe I just need to pray harder about it. That old advice comes back, just pray harder and it'll change. But I wonder, have you ever asked yourself, is that what Jesus would tell us to do? This morning, we, we covered the second episode of our new series, Stuff Jesus Never Said. And over the next couple of months, we'll, we'll dive into some common expressions and pieces of advice that we sort of assume that Jesus taught. Advice that's echoed in every corner of our culture, even championed by well-meaning believers. Expressions that sound good, they, they kind of ring true, but they can actually be misleading. 
if we really dive deeper into them. However, we're not going to cover, obviously, what Jesus didn't say, only each week we will contrast that with what he did say. Comparing it side by side, it reveals that what Jesus actually did say compared to what we assume he said is so much better, so much richer, so much more beneficial and incredibly liberating. Today, we're going to ask ourselves the question, did Jesus really teach that in order to find victory in the spiritual life, we need to wrestle, labor, toil, and prayer? That is, did Jesus teach us to pray harder? Should my prayers be more impressive? Should should I pray longer? Do I need to build my case? Must I persist in prayer until it happens? When when I don't get the answer that I want, when, when I don't see the fruit that I expect, when I feel stuck, do I need to simply pray harder? Is that what Jesus said? Well, fortunately, Jesus taught a lot about prayer, and, and he instructed, gave us great instructions about prayer throughout the Gospels. And one of the key places is in the Sermon on the Mount. So open with me to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Matthew 6, 5. I hope you have your Bible with you. You can follow along with, with us every week. And maybe make a note. Mark it in your Bibles, on, on your phone or in your Bibles, so you can come back to it and look at it um, in the week to come. And when it comes to praying harder, let's begin by asking the question, should my prayers be more impressive? Should my prayers be more impressive than they are? I think that captures my insecurity as a new believer. I was quite excited about my newfound conversations with God until I heard other people pray. I listened to their prayers and they seemed so much better than mine. They seem smoother and flowy, you know. Sometimes their tone changed. They had their, I'm talking to God now voice, you know, that kind of kicked in. Over the years, I've talked to a lot of people who were uncomfortable praying out loud, and it almost always comes down to this. They feel like their prayers need to be more impressive. So let's see what Jesus says. But now you found Matthew 6, 5, and as noted, it's in the middle of this famous Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is covering a lot of subjects here in the sermon. He goes from topic to topic to topic pretty quickly. But here in verse 5, he begins to teach on prayer. And he says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. It's it's so interesting to me. When Jesus gets to the part where in the Sermon on the Mount where he teaches on prayer, he begins by telling us how not to pray. Don't be like the hypocrites who pray for show. How does Jesus put it? They love to pray to be seen by others. Apparently, before Jesus could explain what true prayer was all about, he he had to shatter some, some common misconceptions about what they thought prayer looked like, the models that they had. He had to explain that their experience with prayer was not what he had in mind. And Jesus needed to say this because everyone knew that those who who prayed on the street corners prayed impressive prayers. And they were actually quite intimidating. They made people feel like they could never pray like that. And so this put Jesus' disciples at ease. They don't have to pray these impressive prayers, words to impress others. 
Instead, look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is, in, who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, do my prayers need to be more impressive? No, because God sees your heart. The only, ones you need, the only one that you need to impress in prayer is God, and he is not caught up in how you say it. He always looks deeper to our hearts, to what's behind the words we say. In fact, here's how I would graph what Jesus says here in Matthew 5, 6, 5, and 6. The more my goal is to impress others, those I can see, the more my reward is going to simply be human recognition. They see me. They hear me. That's the reward. And, and it's not that that isn't rewarding. It's just that it's such a superficial reward to be seen by people. If your goal is to be seen by people, then your reward will be being seen by people. That's what Jesus said. But when my goal is to talk to my heavenly Father, the one I cannot see, then my reward is heavenly recognition. God sees me, and God hears me. And that is way more rewarding, to be seen and heard by God. Now, this would have been a huge relief for Jesus' disciples. They didn't have to mimic the popular prayers of the day, the ones that they heard in the, in the corners, the street corners, or in the synagogues. They could simply talk to God from their heart and know that God saw beyond the words to the very motives and, and desires of their heart. This would have been a huge relief for the disciples, and it is for me as well. Do my prayers need to be more impressive? No, because God sees your heart. Okay, how about this? Should I pray longer? Is that what Jesus taught? Fast forward in my life, uh, about a decade past my teenage years. Now I've been a, a Christian for about 10 years. I, I've been to Christian college. My goodness, I, I was in seminary training for ministry. I was supposed to know answers to these kinds of questions. And I was talking to a friend, a guy I really admired and looked up to in his walk with the Lord. We were talking about spiritual things, and he said that he had learned an important secret in prayer. He said in order to make sure his prayers worked, he would pray for every single detail of his request. If, for example, he was praying for an up upcoming job interview, he, he wouldn't just pray, help me do well in the interview and get the job. He would pray, Lord, help the traffic be light as I travel. Help me get a good parking place. Let me meet the right person on the way in. Help me pick out the right clothes. Let me not stutter. Help the interviewer not be distracted. Help us have mutual contact. Help me have, have good eye contact. Let my jokes be good and my breath not be bad. And on and on and on. You get the idea. And then he, he said if things didn't go well, didn't go the way he wanted them, it's because he had forgotten to pray about a particular detail. In other words, if this makes sense, he was only covered for the things he covered. And all of a sudden for me, prayer was rigorous again. What if I didn't cover everything? What if I left something out? Is that what Jesus taught? 
Should I pray longer? Look at the next verse in our passage, Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Again, when it comes to prayer, Jesus continues to focus on what we shouldn't do. First, don't be like the religious leaders who prayed to impress others. Now, don't be like the people in the surrounding nations. He called them the pagans who thought they could get their way if they just prayed more. Back then, uh, the pagan religions around Israel taught that the longer you prayed, the better your chances were of, of convincing the gods to do your will. Prayer was a form of manipulation, and the longer you prayed, the more the gods you prayed to, the more likely you were to get your way. The standard advice then is you want to get prayer to work, pray longer. If you want to show God you're serious, you need to pray for hours and hours and hours. So Jesus says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Have you ever noticed how many short prayers there are in the Gospels? The thief on the cross prayed, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The tax collector in the temple prayed, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And drowning Peter prayed one of the shortest prayers of all, just three words, Lord, save me. Even the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, the Lord's prayer is amazingly brief. Only five verses, just 53 words in my Bible. So do we need to pray longer prayers covering every detail? No, just be straightforward. I mean, if you think about the way Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, which comes right after the section that we're talking about, the requests are actually quite direct and open-ended. I ask for God's kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth, but, but not all the ways that I think it should look. I ask for daily bread, but not whether it's sourdough, rye, bagel, or toasted. I ask for our sins to be forgiven, but not spell out every sordid detail. I ask for guidance in the midst of evil, but not every particular that I will face. Now someone is thinking, yeah, but... Doesn't the Bible say that we should pray without ceasing? That definitely seems like we should be praying a lot longer. And yes, Paul did say that in 1 Thessalonians. But in Luke 11.1, 1, we read this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Notice Jesus finished praying. And that's important to note. To pray without ceasing is, is more about cultivating an awareness of God's presence throughout our lives. It doesn't, mean we, it doesn't mean we never say amen. So do we need to pray longer covering every detail? No, we take lead from the Lord's Prayer, the one that he taught us to pray, and just be straightforward. How about this? Do I need to build my case? Is, is that how I pray harder? I don't know. Have you noticed this? If you listen to our prayers, it often sounds like we're trying to convince God. 
Like, if he just saw things from our vantage point, he would understand just how important this is. It's easy to view prayer like a closing argument in a courtroom, building a rock-solid case so God can do nothing but, but agree. Is that what Jesus expected? Is that what he said? Let's continue. Verse 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. We do not need to convince God. We do not need to build a case. He already knows way better than we do what we need. God never needs information when we pray. God's never like, oh, I never thought of that. That's a really good point. God doesn't need to be coaxed. He doesn't need to be convinced. He doesn't need to be informed. We act as if more words, more passion, more information makes God more obligated, obligated to do what we want him to do. God never needs more information when we pray. So do I need to build my case? No, simply trust that God knows. And the heart of what Jesus is saying here is captured in the word Father. Your father knows what you need before you ask. God is like a father. He's like a father who knows us well, who cares for us intimately, who wants the very best for us always. In fact, the very first word of the Lord's Prayer is is the word father. We say our father, but but in the, the original, it's Father is the very first word. Abba is probably the the word that Jesus used, this intimate term for God. It was revolutionary back then. No one back then prayed to God as Father. It it felt way too casual, way too informal, way, way too intimate. Jesus regularly did, and then he told his disciples, and by the way, that's how you should pray as well. God cares about our relationship with him more than the results. He cares for us when we come to him in prayer is to to recognize who he is and recognize that that whatever we think we need is so so much smaller than what he understands what we need because he sees the big, big picture. So how does that inform me when I don't get what I what I want? when my prayers don't seem to be answered the way I expect. Well, first of all, let me say that I love the fact that Jesus in the Lord's Prayer taught us to pray not just for our souls, but also for our stomachs. He taught us to pray for the kingdom of God to come, but he also told us to pray for daily bread. He genuinely cares about our material needs, our physical needs, though the things that we often pray about, he cares about those things. And he wants us to bring it to him. He wants us to ask him for our very real needs. But in the end, we trust that he knows best. And and that in this world, much less in this week, it's not the end of the story. Christian thinker Helmut Tillich once wrote this. He said, in the last analysis, we know very little about our real needs. So we often pray for foolish things when what we need is something totally different. George MacDonald says, A God who should fail to hear, receive, attend to one single prayer 
the feeblest or the worst, I cannot believe in. But a God who would grant every request of every man would be an evil God. That is, no God, but a demon. My life is peppered with prayers that God never answered, at least not answered in the way I wanted him to. And in many cases, in hindsight, I am so glad he didn't. I think there's a country song by Garth Brooks who said he would agree with what I said. But it's never because we didn't convince him strongly enough. According to Jesus, on the topic of prayer, it is because God truly knows what we need. And he knows best. Do I need to build my case? No, simply trust that he knows. Fourthly, must I persist in prayer until it happens? Is that how prayer works? Somewhere we've gotten the idea that the, that the reason God doesn't answer our prayers sooner is because he really wants to see if we're serious. If God delays, he wants to see if we really mean it. And if we keep on praying about something, it somehow demonstrates that it, it is really super important to us. We'll look at verse 10. After Jesus teaches us to address God as our Holy Father in heaven, he instructs us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that isn't just advice for us. Even though Jesus is teaching here on what his disciples should pray, Jesus modeled this principle in his, very, in his own life. On the evening before the crucifixion, as he considered the horrible task that was in front of him, Jesus prayed this. He said, Father, and the word Father there is most likely Abba, intimate Father. And Jesus, just like he taught us to start with prayer with Father, he himself started his prayer with Father. And then he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. I love this. First of all, Jesus modeled exactly how he told us how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus modeled that. And, and here Jesus asks exactly for what he wants, his, his real needs, but then he ultimately left it with God. In the same way, God wants us to bring our desires, our wishes, our heartfelt requests to him, but then trust that he has a bigger window than we do. Must I persist in prayer until it happens? No, ultimately, we leave it with God. Prayer should always be a way of reminding us that God is in charge. God is in control. And so we leave everything with him. Those things that hound our heart and that worry our souls, we can take them to him and then we can leave them with him. Trusting that his perspective and his care, is, his will is better than ours. Turns out, Jesus did not teach us to pray harder. Because that puts the emphasis on our efforts in prayer. As if it's just a program to get what we want. As if we were serious enough, impressive enough, if we pray long enough, make a good enough case. If we ask again and again and again, prayer somehow works. We twist God's arm. Instead, for Jesus, prayer wasn't about wearing God down. It was about knowing the Father and intimacy with Him. 
and allowing him to shape us more and more into his children. So how should we pray? Instead of praying harder, what about this? What if we tried praying softer? Allow prayer to soften our hearts before him and others. Jesus lamented that the religious people of his day honored God with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. Their hearts were hard. What if we pray softer and allow it to be a place where God softens our hearts and molds our hearts and shapes our hearts into what he wants? It's the difference between treating prayer as a duty and seeing it as a privilege. When prayer is a duty, it's all about impressing others. When it's a privilege, it's about intimacy with the Father. When prayer is a duty, I need to pray longer. When prayer is a privilege, I feel the freedom to linger. When prayer is a duty, I need to build a case. When it is a privilege, I get to build my trust. When prayer is a duty... I persist until I get my way. When prayer is a privilege, I pray in order to get God's will. When prayer is a duty, I always need to pray harder. When prayer is a privilege, I'm allowed to begin to pray softer. One day, Jesus told a parable about a super religious guy. You know, one of those guys who prayed really long prayers on the street corners and these long, impressive prayers in the synagogue, one of those guys. One day, Jesus told a parable about how he went into the temple to pray, and he prayed this really long, impressive prayer. Well, at the same time, off in the distance, far away, a guy couldn't even look up. All he could get out was seven words. He said, God, be merciful to me a sinner. And then Jesus surprised everyone who was listening to him that day by announcing that that humble guy of the two of them was the one that God honored. It was the prayer that he liked. Which makes me just wonder. Instead of praying harder, what if we tried praying softer? Softer.